If we have fear of the unknown, we're going to be afraid every single day of our life. We need deliverance from that. We cannot control our life when we've given control of our life to God. We've seen too many people and, and really experienced ourselves. I've experienced in my own life. And we've seen too many people who have adopted a plan for their life whereby they control everything around them in their life. They control their families. They control, they try to control their job environment. They can try to control their society. They try to even control the church and the church leadership. Why? Because they can't take the chance that something is going to happen outside of their knowledge. They need everything to be settled, everything to be predictable. They, they, they need uh, just that kind of comfort in their life to know that nothing's ever going to hurt them again. The problem with that is a person who is so controlling to everything on the outside of them, it's just an indication that they are so out of control. Mm -hmm. And they are not controlled by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. We need to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to be controlled. Listen, we don't, we don't like words like brainwashed, but we need our hearts washed, our minds washed. Amen. Come on, we need our spirits washed. We need our lives washed completely. Come on, we need our homes washed. We need our desires washed. We need our wills washed. Amen? Come on. Amen. Come on. We need it all washed. I mean, we're so afraid of terms like pastor, you're trying to brainwash us. If I could, I would. Don't ever fool yourselves about that. If I could, I would brainwash you. I know some of you might be thinking, it's time to leave. That's, that's up to you. Hope you'll listen to God on that one. Praise God, but that's not, that's, that, I can't do that. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that can do that. And only when we apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I don't know, there is a, the Spirit of the Lord is working in to such a, a degree here tonight through me that, uh, you know, I, it's uncomfortable for me, but it's the way it's got to be. Amen. It's the way it's got to be. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be afraid. The Lord will purposely shake us up, bring us in here on a Thursday night. I look around, you know, there's people missing, of course. Hey, whenever you do something a little off, off kilter, people, that's too uncomfortable. Some folks, they won't come. That's all right. That's all right. I, I, hope, I hope some of those people are listening to me right now. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm saying every single one of us in the Cumberland Church needs to let go of fear and be delivered of that fear. The Lord has, has shaken us up. He's put us through that reset. And this is part of the reset. He doesn't want us to know what's coming next. He wants us to be free to say, whatever's coming, it's going to be good. Amen. And we're going to get involved and I'm going to get that much closer to Jesus when I surrender that much more. Amen. Amen. Every day is a surrender. Amen. 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 Let me ask you a question. This is not has nothing to do with Luke uh, chapter 6 uh, uh, that we're, we're about to turn to. But before I, I get into a completely different subject, I, I want to present this to you as the Lord is presenting it to me right now. Come on, don't get angry at me, folks. Pay attention, all right? Amen. Don't turn me off here. Folks at home, don't turn me off. 
Have you, do you feel like as you're sitting in church, and this is not a shame uh, lesson here, okay? This is not a guilt trip. This is not a manipulation. But I want to ask you, honestly, you answer yourself in your own heart. You don't raise your hand. Don't speak out loud. You answer for yourself. Have you lived to your fullest potential today? Have you lived this day, the entirety of this day, completely by the Spirit's leading? Doing nothing to indulge your own comforts or flesh or carnality. If you can say yes to that, then you're off the hook right now. You're off the hook and you don't even have to listen to the next thing I'm saying. But if you are sitting here as blood-bought, Jesus' name washed, child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, but you can say, you know what? Not 100% of my day was Spirit-led. Then we can simply go to the Word and find out if we know to do good and do it not. It's sin, right? Mm -hmm. Now listen to me closely. This is not a guilt trip. Mm -hmm. This is not a manipulation. This is not to introduce fear or shame into your hearts. Mm -hmm. Everybody hearing me? Yes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the process. Mm -hmm. If we Then if we know that there's sin in our life because we simply have not let God have full control of our day, then shouldn't we repent of that? Am, am I painting any kind of picture to anybody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to get at is we need to be repenting every single day. Amen. You know, this is something I found and maybe you found and I, I plan on and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I plan on uh, finding out much more about this as the days go by. We need to repent every single day, but and the more we do it, the more... Uh, the, the less we need to repent of, at least in that category. Amen. Everybody hear me? Yes. I know this is disappointing some of you because it's like it, you're, if you're going to allow the devil to talk to you right now, and in the name of Jesus, I bind that lying force that would try to talk to souls right now, and I kick that stinking liar out of this room. If you allow the devil to talk to you, all you're going to feel is condemnation and shame. And, oh, what's the use? It's hopeless. I can't live right. And then there's another insidious voice that would try to tell some of you, he's preaching law. He's trying to say that we can save ourselves. No, I'm not. And, no, and neither is God. Amen. It's an acknowledgement that God is the force of control in my life. Amen. And if I don't let him, it's not a good thing. Yes. In fact, it's a sin. Because I know to let God have control of my life. And if I don't do that, it's a good thing. Anybody recognize that giving God full control is a good thing? Amen. Okay. Praise God. I'm thank you. thankful for those you said amen. That means if we do not give God full control of our life, and if we know to do good but don't do it, it's a sin. Sin, sin needs to be repented of. Well, I, th I think we, we have, you know, sometimes we come to church and and the Lord will say, we need to repent, folks. We need to repent. A lot of times they'll say, well, who do we need to repent of? I'm not murdering. I'm not committing adultery. I haven't stolen. I haven't done this. I haven't used dirty words today. And I haven't told any dirty jokes. Or I haven't even looked, uh, looked at a woman uh, the wrong way. Right? Come on. So I've been doing pretty good. There's nothing for me to repent of. If we haven't let the Holy Ghost take full control of our life, we hope, oh Lord God, help me. Help tomorrow be better. 
Lord God, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because I've got enough to deal with today. But right now in this moment, Lord God, help me. It's not about pastor controlling you. It's not about a guilt trip from a man or a manipulation from a religious order, right? It's about simply encouraging us to understand there's always more control the Holy Ghost can have over us. Do you want the Holy Ghost to control you more? Yes. Praise God. I, I know I do. And the way, the way that that's going to happen is we, if we repent for not giving Him more control. I've said this several times this year. I mean, how many knows it's a good thing to be full of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Anybody know that? Amen. You can raise your hand on that one if you know it. Hey, how many knows that the real good stuff happens when people in the Bible are full of the Holy Ghost? Miracles, signs, and wonders. Do we recognize that that stuff happens when people are full of the Holy Ghost? Anybody want to see miracles, signs, and wonders here in this church? Yeah, so if you've been able to raise your hand for all of those questions, then the obvious next question is, why aren't we with the availability full of the Holy Ghost all the time, so that miracles, signs, and wonders can happen. Are you, are you simply waiting for your pastor to get there first? Well, the pastor's not doing it, so we won't do it just yet. That's a lame excuse, and that's not going to fly on Judgment Day, I'll tell you that. Amen. If that's what you're thinking. But the real, an, the real answer to that is, as we've said several times this year, it's because the Holy Ghost leads us to do things that we just don't like. The process to get to the miraculous is not comfortable. So that's why I don't always get... Uh, the indulgences of the flesh are too enticing to be full of the Holy Ghost all the time. Mark, Mark Hamby said that his first wife left him because he was praying and fasting too much. Imagine that. Now, I'm, I'm, I know this is a mixed crowd. There's men and women and even children here, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyway. He, he, he was at a place where he was just getting so close to God, he wasn't in the bedroom all that much. Mm-hmm. And his wife's like, this ain't a marriage. <laughs> she left him. So, well, that's, that's where some guys will come along and say, oh, you have to have balance. Mm-hmm. Balance between the flesh and spirit? I don't think so. You know, you have to have a one-spirit marriage. But that's, that's the real answer. If both he and his wife were in together and the whole effort together, then everything in the bedroom would have just been fine. That, that's my belief. Okay? And she wouldn't have had to leave him. But uh, you said, well, is it, is it possible to pray and fast too much? <laughs> I seriously doubt it, folks. Folks, I seriously doubt it. Sometimes it is the thing that reveals where some are just not as dedicated as others. Now, that's, again, that's not a big me, little you, you know, comparison game. It's all about Jesus, folks. It's all about Jesus. So, if we need to repent every day, folks, let's just do it. Let's not feel bad about that. Let's not approach this thing in guilt. Let's not approach this thing in shame. In fact, that's another thing we can repent of. Lord God, forgive me for feeling guilty because I know that doesn't come. Forgive me for giving in to offense. I know that didn't come from you. Forgive me for giving in to shame. I know that didn't come from you. I know I came from the devil. Forgive me for listening too much to the world and to the flesh and to my enemy, the enemy that, by the way, wants to kill me. 
Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray here for a minute. Hallelujah. Lord God, help us. Help us, Lord God, to live a life of sacrifice. Lord God, help us tonight, Lord God, to start a brand new walk of repentance, Lord God. Every day repentance. Every day sacrifice. Thank you, God. Leading by the Spirit. Leading by the truth, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus. Give us the strength to understand I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me to do it. Hallelujah, Lord God. Lord God, we ask that you would just give us grace to receive the rest of the word here tonight. Yes, Jesus. Come on, why don't you raise your hands with me? Hallelujah. And just receive some joy of the Holy Ghost. Some of you are not feeling very much joy right now. Come on. As children of God, full of the Holy Ghost, you've got joy inside of you. Release it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I release joy into this house in the name of Jesus. Joy even at the instruction of sacrifice and repentance, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. For your life, oh God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse number. Verse number 45. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. Everybody say, we still love you, Pastor. We still love you, Pastor. You didn't all say it. That's all right. I'll deal with you after church. <laughs> Praise God. Why don't we just look to the Lord. I still love you, Lord. Still love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No matter how tough your word gets, I still love you, Lord. Thank you, God. I still love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. The Lord's got our best interest at heart. Yes. The Lord wants us to live to the fullest yes. and the most abundant Thank we can God. live. Thank you, Jesus. Believe that? Yes. We're going to look at verse 45. I, you know, this it's so hard to break into one verse, but anyway, we, we, we think that this is a, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'll, I'll just go, I'll just go back to verses. Verse 43, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth corrupt tree, uh, a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Okay? A lot of times, I'm going to get to 45, but before I get there, a lot of times we, we really harshly judge someone especially a public figure. And I'm not singing a sad song here. I'm just saying it's easy, especially the guy that stands in front of you. Especially, in fact, the more transparent the man is, mm -hmm. the more arrows can be flung at him. Mm -hmm. It's all right. I'm going to continue to be transparent with you. And I'm not singing a sad song like, oh, you people are always beating me up. And that's not the case. And, and I'm not trying to beat you up either. I know some of you might be thinking, well, pastor's in a mood tonight. It ain't about pastor's mood. It's about pastor coming in here and saying, God, no, Jesus, help me. No matter what I need to say to these folks, what their heavenly father has to say to them, no matter how I'm feeling or thinking or how my day's gone, 
Hallelujah. I need to come Jesus. in here. I need to preach love. I need to preach love. But I need to preach repentance. It's repentance. Thank you, Jesus. It has nothing to do with how I feel. So don't think I'm in a mood tonight. Oh, I'm under the spirit tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not trying to put on a stupid show up here. Amen. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. But sometimes Hallelujah. it's easy to look at someone because they had a bad day. They, 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 had, they had something and, you know, so, you know they, they, they lashed out or they did something wrong. And they said, well, he's corrupt. Oh, no, 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 no. Sometimes a, a grapevine, a beautiful bluster, a cluster of grapes will pop out on that thing in the fall. And there's one of those, there's one of those grapes that's all wilty and nasty. That doesn't mean it's not a good grapevine. It doesn't mean it's not a grapevine, first of all. It is producing grapes. It does not produce thorns. Every once in a while, it'll, it'll produce a sour grape. Right? Still grapes, folks. It's still good food. It, it, you, know, you might not want to eat that one. But the other ones are good. Right? Anybody here? Praise God. But you're never going to be able to go to a thorn bush and find anything good on that thorn bush to munch on. You know, it's going to be the fruit of their life. We, we, we hold men, you know, to their smallest mistakes a lot of times. We hold people to their smallest mistakes. Look at what God's doing in their life. Look at what fruit is coming out of their life. Thank you. Come on. Amen. That's, how, that's how you can know. But he goes on from there, and he, he's continuing in this vein. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. You know, uh, in, in the Hebrew language, and we don't know if Jesus was speaking Hebrew or Aramaic. I've heard it both ways, and some people swear up and down. No, he would have been speaking Hebrew. Well, the truth is, is a lot of people didn't speak Hebrew in those days. A lot of people, people spoke Greek, and, and even the Jews themselves spoke a lot of times Aramaic or some other dialect. Semitic dialect. Everybody with me? But in those Semitic Eastern tongues, uh, redundancy was not a bad thing. Like, you, you, you want to hear a redundant verse, turn to Jude, you know? If I can find it, my Bible uh, here is so um, small. Let's see, where is it? In verse number 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince them all uh, that are ungodly among them of the, all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed <laughs> and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken. My goodness, we see the word ungodly four different times. That's not good writing in English. We don't like a lot of redundancy in English, but in the Eastern languages, redundancy was not a problem. It was just a reinforcing of the idea. So a lot of times when we read the Bible, people, you know, make fun of the Bible and make fun of how it is redundant. But you got to understand when we're seeing redundant, if you don't know what a redundancy is, is when you see the same word or phrase or idea pop up in rapid succession. Yeah, yeah. Verse 45 again, the first part of that says, now I want you to pay attention to uh, everybody okay if we hang out here for a while? Yeah. Because I'm going to take my time with this. Pay attention to every part of this. I'm just going to dissect this thing. A good man. Now we all know what Jesus talks about a good man, right? Mm -hmm. There's only one good and that's God. Amen. But here Jesus is saying, a good man 
Out of the good treasure of his heart, bringing forth that which is good. Okay, if you're good and you're bringing forth good treasure, um, uh, oh, sorry, uh, out of the good, yeah. If you're good and, and you've got a good treasure and you're bringing out something good, it, it, that would all just make sense, right? Mm -hmm. If you go into your treasure box, anybody got that sunken treasure box in your treasure chest in your house full of gold and jewels and... No, me neither. But uh, anybody ever have a hope chest? Mm -hmm. I know guys that never had hope chest, but years and years ago, women would have a hope chest a lot of times in their room, and they'd put things and store things up for their, their wedding day or for their marriage life or something like that, you know. Um, I know, that's, that's years gone by. And no, I never had a hope chest, and in case you're wondering. I, but uh, you would... You would put stuff in there that you treasure, right? Mm -hmm. If it's something you treasure, you kind of automatically think it, it's good. But Jesus is going a step further. He says, a good man. Mm -hmm. He's like, out of his good treasure, brings forth those things which are good. Well, that just makes good sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, did, did we really need you to tell us that? Well, he's going somewhere. Mm -hmm. He's going somewhere. Jesus doesn't say things for no reason. But again, I want to just read that one more time until you're absolutely tired of it. A good man. Out of the good treasure of his heart. So we're talking about the heart here, all right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's things that we can put into our heart that's good. Now, I mean, how many already knew that before we came to church tonight? Yes. So you said, Pastor, you're really giving us an education. I will. Don't you? You just wait. It'll get better, okay? Right now, we're laying down the obvious foundation, okay? The stuff everybody knows, all right? But it, there's a way to put good things into your heart. And there's a, the other thing that isn't as obvious, but most of us still know, we can also bring good things out of our heart. Mm -hmm. Praise God. You can put good things in your heart, and you can bring good things out of your heart. God. If you have uh, freely received, and freely give, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. According to Paul's quoting Jesus. We don't actually see Jesus say that in the Gospels, but Paul quoted Jesus as having said it. All right? Everybody okay so far? Let's look at the next part of that. And an evil man, now we're just going to say the opposite with all the redundant words, okay? And in conjunction, tied to this, the other side of the equation, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Well, if the first statement's good, you kind of have... An understanding that the uh, second statement's true, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you had, uh, anybody ever take algebra here? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. If you, if you say 2x plus 5 equals 10, now you, you can, by manipulating the equation, you can get to an understanding of what x is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to teach you math tonight. Two and a half. Thanks, bro. <laughs> but the point is not the number. The point is, is the equation, okay? Now, what if we said 2x plus 5 equals 10? What if we said negative 2x minus 5 equals negative 10? Would that also be true? You can basically, if you make everything on one side negative, you've got to make everything on the other side negative. Otherwise, it's not an equation. You following me? No. Okay. All right. We're going to talk to Sister Lillian right here. Okay. 
I hate algebra. Uh, about, uh, think of it this way. You got a couple of scales, right? Gotcha. Okay. I'm good uh, on this scale, you got a bunch of stuff. Yeah. On this side, you got a bunch of stuff, right? Yes. And they're perfectly balanced. Ah, good. Right? Yeah. So if you take something off of this side, it's not balanced anymore, it's not right? Balanced, no. So how are you going to put it back in a balance? You got to take an equal measure off this side, right? This side, yeah. mm -hmm. So you think of that that bar right in the middle, those scales. You think of that as that equal side, mm -hmm. okay? So whatever you do to one side, you got to do the other. If you add something to one side, if you want to keep that thing balanced, you got to add something to this side. Is that clear as mud? Yes, that's okay, good. That's okay, good. Sure. All right. I got it. Well, that's why they call me a teacher, okay? Uh, and, I, and I do like math. So, um, But when in a, an equation, you've got to understand everything's got to be balanced. If you do want something on one side, you've got to do it to the other. So if you make one side negative, you have to make the other side negative. And yes, it does work out to be a true equation. Okay? All I'm getting at is if you say a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things... It should automatically stand to reason that an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth evil things. You wouldn't expect him to bring forth good things. But here's the point. You can put evil things in your heart, and you can bring evil things out of your heart. Now again, some of that's pretty obvious, some of it's a little less obvious, but we still kind of intuitively know it. Can anybody agree with me right now we really already intuitively knew that? Okay, well, let's get into stuff that we might in, not intuitively know. If you don't know what intuition is, it's just something you kind of know without having to be taught. Yes. All right? Everybody cool? Okay, so now that we're done with algebra, let's go for the third statement here. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. This is the part that's less intuitive. I know we know that verse, and there's a, a similar verse mm -hmm. in Matthew. It says, oh, you hypocrites and vipers, you know, uh, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Well, this is the part that isn't as obvious, even though we know the verse, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Sometimes we don't catalog in our minds that, okay, if we're good and we have good treasure in our heart, uh, we can't bring good treasure out. And if we're evil and we have evil treasure in our heart, first of all, it means we've had to put the evil treasure in there. Who treasures evil things? Well, you might be treasuring evil things without even knowing it. You might have thought it was good. Turns out it's not so great, right? I got my hand off, off the left side where my natural heart is. Let's put it right in the middle, right here. Right in the middle of the being, okay? We can put things into us that we might have thought it was good, but it's bad. And now we find out how we bring it out. How do we bring these things out? It comes out the mouth. Well, if all things being equal, how do we put things into our heart? It's not a trick question. By eating and drinking. By putting it into the mouth. Okay? Say, well... Are you talking about cheeseburgers? No, I'm not talking about cheeseburgers. Okay, but if you want to talk about cheeseburgers, if if, if you know if cheeseburgers are no good for you, and they taste really good in the tongue, but they put a lot of you know poundage on the love handles back here, you know, uh, that's probably not that good. You thought it was good, tastes good, like it, enjoy it, makes me feel real good. Anybody like mashed potatoes? 
Anybody nice like a nice hot loaf of, you know, like a baguette of French bread? Mm. You know, oh man, especially you know with a nice hot soup on a, a nice cool night. We had soup last night. Mm. You know, <laughs> and uh, it, it, isn't that great? You know, just nice, nice, ah, fresh bread. Yeah, we we call that stuff comfort food, right? Mm. Well, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with mashed potatoes or, or bread, but an indulgence in anything is going to be not good for you, right? That's true. And a lot of times we eat certain foods that are not good for us because they are just that, they are comfort foods. Mm -hmm. Okay? We watch certain things on TV because it's comforting. Mm -hmm. It may not be good for us. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying TV across the board is bad. Because the argument always comes, oh, well, you can watch good Christian programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the excuse, but that's not always what we watch. That's true. Okay, let's just be real. Okay, we're not always watching Christian programming. Okay, so that excuse falters. All right? We can read certain books that aren't good for us. We can listen to music that aren't good for us. We can hang around with people that aren't good for us. In other words, we kind of take them in. But let me bring this to a new level. If it's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks, I'm going to suggest that all things being equal in this balance scale, right? This is the algebra equation. It's also when we speak, we put things into our heart. The devil comes up to you, whispers in your ear. You're not feeling too good today. You're probably going to die. What is that weird pain in your side? Could be cancer. Mm -hmm. We've all heard that voice. I'm not picking on anybody. We've yeah. all heard that voice. I've heard that voice. Mm -hmm. uh, my, I'm, I'm, I'm probably thinking about my mom. My mom, uh, a year before she died, she had this terrible pain in her side. Mm -hmm. And uh, she went, got an MRI, and got x-rays and all kinds of stuff, and her doctor just, I don't know what was wrong with this guy. It was a friend of the family. Uh, in fact, uh, my Aunt Kathy used to work for him. And um, she, she uh, got my mom to, to or him to be my mom's doctor. And uh, he just, in my opinion, because I took my mom down there a bunch of times, this guy did not seem to care about the well-being of my mother. And being my mother, not his mother, I, I would get hot under the collar. I said, what kind of a doctor are you, man? You stink. You know, because he didn't, he didn't care. I mean, he was just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. we're just going to do this, that, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to ask him questions one day. He's like, well, what does this do? Oh, it helps the liver in the bank. Hey, dude, I know you don't know me. I don't have a medical degree, but talk to me like I'm a person mm -hmm. and not some little peon that doesn't have a medical degree. So I'm so stupid. Uh, you know, I can't understand anything. I'm trying to look out for my mother's health. Okay? Right. Have some compassion on somebody. My goodness, you're a doctor, man. You're supposed to be trying to help people. Anybody figure out a little aggravated at that guy? <laughs> I'm not going to speak his name. Okay. Some of you probably know his name. Anyway, the, the, guy, the guy didn't care. The guy didn't care. He, you know, she's I'm terrible pain. And he's like, oh, okay. And uh, well, well, we'll order an x-ray for you. And she comes back. To another point, I'm having this pain. Oh, well, just take some Motrin. Literally, that was kind of his attitude. Well, I took my mom to another doctor, heart specialist, uh, right over here in uh, Woodsocket, and um, he gives her kind of the, 
uh, his report and says, well, if you're not willing to do that AFib treatment where they stop your heart and restart it, uh, he's like, basically, I don't know what to do for you. C continue on your blood thinners and hope, hope it works out for you kind of thing. And my mom, he's like, so is there anything else I can do for you? She's like, I'm having a pain in my side. He goes, um, I can't help you with that. I mean, I know he's a heart doctor, and that's what, that's what he does, but I thought that was a little rude. He is a man of medicine, right? right. He, he is supposed to care for the sick. Right. I mean, he's getting, I would imagine, well, better money than I get for being a heart specialist. And he just simply looked at my mom and said, I can't help you with that. Have a good day, basically. And I was just like, dude, you're a jerk. I mean, what was wrong with these people? Well, having said all that, uh, my mom basically just like, whatever, whatever, you know, we're just kind of trusting the Lord on this one, just, we'll just leave it alone. And she, she suffered for a while and it got better, all on its own. She didn't do anything special, just things got better. I asked her one day, though, before she went to get an MRI, I said, Mom, so what are you going to do if this is cancer? She said, well, those of you who remember, my mom still couldn't real talk real good um, because of her previous stroke. She just went, <laughs> you know, she, and I knew exactly what she meant. Yeah. Yeah, okay, whatever. That, that'll be the thing that takes me to Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, when she did that, I was like, all right. See, the, the devil wasn't whispering, or he might have been whispering in her ear, but he's whispering in my ear, that pain in her side. Cancer. Come on, I, I bet you every single person in this room, except for maybe Hannah, she's young and healthy, uh, but uh, all the rest of us, you know, have probably heard at one time that insidious little voice, oh, what if it's cancer? And more than likely, probably about 999 times out of 1,000, it ended up not being cancer. Right? Right, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though some of us, I think you've dealt with that once, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that okay, me, me oh, saying yeah, that? Okay. Absolutely. Uh, so sometimes it actually is the case. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's not because it's a lie. But that's not the problem. The devil's going to lie to us, folks. That, that's kind of his job. Yeah. He lies to us. Mm -hmm. Right? Our job is not to repeat what he says, Amen. but rather to repeat what the word of God says. Amen. Amen. Yes. So when the devil comes whispers in our ear, you can have cancer. Do not say that out of your mouth. That's true. Because that's when you start putting evil things into your heart. And if you have evil treasure in your heart, you become evil. Okay? I hesitate to say this, but you got guys like Hitler and Stalin and Mao Zedong and a lot of guys like this that I suspect all of these men had good ideas. And maybe at one point or another, they had good ideas to lead their people the right way. But history tells us it wasn't the right way. I think we can all agree with that, right? right. It wasn't the right way. All these people end up killing millions because... If we can't get it going this way, we got to get these folks out of the way. So the best way to do it is just to em eliminate them completely. Mm -hmm. So let's just kill them. 
Uh, you know, we always talk about the 10 million people Hitler killed, right? Uh, but what about the 50 or more people Stalin killed? Or what about the hundreds of millions of people that possibly Mao Zedong killed? Yeah, we, we always pick on Hitler as the worst guy in the world, but hey, there's people worse than him out there. Around the same time, a little bit afterwards, okay? Everybody, everybody hear me? Yes. Oh, God help us. At one time, they might have thought it, these things were good ideas and they just got worse and worse and worse. And history calls these men evil men. Well, from the United States point of view anyway, from a Republican, Democratic, you know, free uh, society, we look at people like Hitler and Stalin, uh, Mao, as, uh, as evil men. Right? Pol Pot, Idi Amin. These are evil men. Right? Yes. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, every one of them had good ideas at one time. Mm-hmm. Pol Pot had the idea that anybody with glasses needs to be get, get killed. Take your glasses off, folks. Uh, you know? You know, he had the idea, anybody wearing glasses, anybody in Cambodia in those days wearing glasses were probably someone educated. He didn't want anybody educated in his country upsetting his rules. So he went around, he, he would see a guy, uh, he would have soldiers uh, look through villages for people with glasses and kill them. I ain't kidding you. His, history, I mean, this, these are true reports. Glasses, boom. Oh, it was a good idea, but you can see that earlier he might have had a more pure idea, but it was an evil idea. But over time, all the evil stuff he put in his heart made him evil. And history records him as an evil ruler. You know, we, we all have, I mean, when I was young, me and my brother would fantasize about being able to get into a time machine with a modern-day sniper rifle and blowing Hitler's head off and stuff like this, you know. Yeah, young guys think thoughts like this. Well, Hitler probably, and a lot of people around him probably thought he was the greatest thing going, at least at first. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to make is, it's the speaking. How do we bring stuff out? It's out of the abundance of the heart of the mouth speaks. Now, uh, are we going a little longer? Sure. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Let's go to First, first Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, a lot of, a lot of good things here. Okay. We want to, we want to get this around to proclamation. We want to, we want to make this an equation. Okay. Speak good things, don't speak bad things. I mean, is that a simple enough message? But everybody knows me well enough. I'm not going to just leave it at that. I could repeat that 50 times, and I say, okay, everybody got it. Go home. No, no, we're going, to have, we're going to have to go through some examples and some understandings and add a whole lot of stuff along the way. First, the first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, Paul and Silvanus, in case you didn't know, that's Silas, and Timotheus, in case you didn't know, that's Timothy. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy under the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonica is in Macedonia. Uh, Paul went there after Philippi and before Berea, and before he went down into Cor- uh, Athens, okay? From Athens over to Corinth. Shall we keep going through the book of Acts? No, that's enough for now. Um, but anyway, Paul had uh, got together with some people of God, Jewish people, and uh, 
we believe some Gentiles too. Eventually it would have been Gentiles there, but at first I think it probably mostly would have been Jews. He spent about three weeks in Thessalonica, and we find out that he talks about some heavy-hitting subjects with these guys. He was 18 months with the Corinthians, and he still has to say, what is wrong with you? You're sleeping with your father's wife? Get, get that guy out of the church. But he only, spoke, uh, he only stayed three weeks with the Thessalonians. And uh, he, he's talking about uh, Jesus coming back. You know, second coming of Jesus. I mean, he's, got, he's all the way into eschatology, right? End times things. So he's, he's writing this letter to them. Uh, he's writing along with Silas and Timothy to the Thessalonians, which, in, uh, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor, of love and patience, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So hey, that's, that's a good introduction, I think. I mean, say, hey, listen, you guys, I, you know, we, we remember... And we're praying for you. We're remembering your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience and hope and our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Amen. Hey, that's good stuff right there. It's a good way to start a letter. Knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he's saying it wasn't just a bunch of guys giving a different spin and their different doctrine, right? It was men coming among you, showing you the life in Christ, showing you the Spirit's power, showing you what God can do to people. And, and a lot of times we unfortunately always just think of miracle signs and wonders. But it's even a greater miracle when you were, used to be a murderer, but now you're not. You used to be an addict and now you're not. You used to be a womanizer and now you're not. That's a greater miracle. Then, uh, then, then, you know, you had heart disease and now you don't. Right. Believe it or not, we often focus on the physical man and healing and things like that. But even a greater miracle is a condition of the inner man's heart being changed. Right? Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's what's going to go on into eternity. Uh, thank God this old flesh is not going into eternity. What's inside will, though. So I need that change. That's a bigger miracle. Bigger miracle. So they're coming along, and I'm sure they're, they're healing folks and casting out devils. That's what they did. Jesus, praise you, God. That's what we need to be doing. Unfortunately, we can focus only on these things happening to the point where if they're not happening to the degree that we want, and I'll just give you a little hint, it's not happening in this church the way we'd like it to happen. We'd like to see people healed every single Sunday. Praise God. And if, they, and if someone does have a devil, we'd like to see that thing go. With the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But you know what I want to see even more than that? I want to see someone's life change to become more like Christ. Every single time we come into this room. And gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But he said, listen. We didn't come in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Ghost and in, manner, uh, in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we were, you, you saw us, you saw what kind of guys we were, you saw our hearts, you recognized that we're not here to just get your money, you know. And so you received the word. So he goes on. Verse 6, and you became followers of us, 
and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So he's adding a new level. He says, you became followers. Now, it seems like just in respect to God, they should have said you became followers of the Lord. But you got to understand, a lot of these people, in their opinion, were already followers of the Lord. Amen. But Paul is saying, you became followers of us and of the Lord. He's not insulting God or them, either one. He's saying, you saw us, you saw the Holy Ghost in us, you saw the Jesus in us. And that's how you knew Jesus is real and Jesus is the Messiah, because you saw him in us. And you became followers of us, and more importantly, of the Jesus in us. Praise God. So Paul couples this together. Yes, you do follow men. And you follow God, most importantly and foremost, you're following Jesus. Having received the word. Having received the word. Having received the word. But it doesn't stop there. Having received the word in much affliction. And that's, that's how you know someone's believing what they're receiving. It's not just a hey. It's just, it's not just an evangelistic rally where you know thousands of people show up and we get pumped up and jazzed up and, and we go back home just feeling like a million bucks and then the next week we forget everything the preacher said and sometimes it happens a lot earlier than that. Sometimes it's like two days we forget everything that we heard preached on Sunday. You know, it's, this is not about just pumping people up and making us all feel good. It's about receiving and sometimes with affliction. The Word of God. If it's that important, the Word of God is going to come and try it. That's what Jesus said. The Son of Righteousness, right? Or, or the Sun will rise and cause them the wilderness. He says persecution that arises because of the Word. He compares that to the sun rising. Mm -hmm. Well, the sun's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus compares it to persecution because of the Word. But they received this Word with affliction, but they also received it with joy of the Holy Ghost. Verse 7. So that we were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse number 8. I want you to listen close to verse number 8. And this is, this is how we're going to tie it into what we were talking about out of Luke. And from here we're going to go to the book of Matthew. But for now, we want to look at verses 8, 9, and 10. But I want you to pay close attention to verse 8. For from you sounded, for from you sounded out. The word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Hmm. He said, what happened when we were there with you folks that three weeks? Something got downloaded. Something got put in the treasury. The treasury, right? Mm -hmm. And you started bringing that stuff out of the treasury. You started sounding it everywhere. Macedonia, Achaia. Achaia was the southern part of Greece. Okay, what we know as Greece today. Everybody mm -hmm. with me? Mm -hmm. He says, and everywhere your faith led you. Faith, belief, receiving with affliction, but also with joy. This, this, all this stuff works together. Uh, just carrying on to the next couple of verses. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's, that's a good word. Now over to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to speed it up here a little bit. 
So he's, he's saying, listen, this is what happened. You know, you didn't just get all kinds of good stuff in. You passed all kinds of good stuff out, and it became a witness to everybody around. This is the life in Christ. Praise God that you really believe he's coming back. And this is, this is how it works. Good stuff coming out. Now, what we're talking about, open proclamation. Talking about open proclamation. We're trying to get the Cumberland Church to speak more out of their mouth. I am a child of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that some of you might sound a little kooky, uh, and I usually don't tell my own stuff like this. I, I think we can all agree I've been a very transparent person, at least the last several years. But uh, there's some things I still don't share with you. That's normal. But uh, it, was, it was prayed over me and prophesied over me, you know, that I had the vocal cords of John the Baptist. You know, what, what does that mean? I don't know. But I connected in the spirit. Now, do I literally have John the Baptist vocal cords? No, of course not. But that spirit that John the Baptist had, that the word says he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. This, this is something that John the Baptist had. The ability to speak so that people can hear and understand and receive a, a, a dynamic voice that can go out to multitudes. Amen. Now, this is, uh, this is the transparent part. I have lived most of my life like I am nothing of import. That what I say doesn't matter. Because I often say things and people don't receive. I often say things and people didn't even hear. I often say things and you know it, uh, a question will come back after me five minutes later and I'll say, didn't you hear what I just said? And sometimes not five minutes later, sometimes 30 seconds later I'll say, I just said that. And that makes me believe my words are totally ineffectual, that they go nowhere, that they fall to the ground, they return void. And the Lord is saying, no, no, no. If you repeat that stuff, you, you put an evil treasure in. And your heart starts becoming evil because it's a lie. Mm -hmm. So, guess what I started doing? Every day, I started saying something kooky. I have the vocal cords of John the Baptist. Hey, we're, we're not here to idolize one man. We're here to live after Christ. We're here to become like Christ. Mm -hmm. But it was God that gave him the vocal cords in the first place. You know, so... I proclaim it. And uh, over the last several months, I have had less trouble believing that my voice is being heard. Because I have had less trouble in thinking that it's my voice in the first place. Rather, it's the voice of God coming through my vocal cords. So I've never had a problem raising my voice. I've never had a problem with volume. I'm a little guy with big lungs. And my voice can carry I don't know if it's a good voice or a bad voice. I hear myself on recording and I go, ugh. You know, and uh, I think most of us do that. But uh, whether you think my voice is good or not, uh, my voice can't carry. A room this small, I can reach every corner, no problem. Don't even need a mic. I haven't used a mic for a long time. Why? Just don't need it. Not in a room this small. I can, I can talk over the fans. I can talk over the ACs. I can talk over kids crying. <laughs> it's not a problem. But more than just the natural volume of my voice, there is something that is coming out of me that is going into people that hear it. I have much more confidence in that because I'm speaking. I have the vocal cords of John the Baptist. 
His voice was not ineffectual. Again, he's not my hero. Jesus is my hero. Anybody hear me here? Yes. You know, this it was something that was put into them, and they brought it out of them through their mouths. They sounded it out. Praise God. Soul winning should never be the fear that it has been in many of our hearts. <gasps> How am I going to do that? Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Talk to the ones that you already know and love and you would love to spend eternity in heaven with. Don't be afraid. Look at it like this. What, what if I say the wrong thing and they, and they totally reject it and, and, and then they end up being saved, unsaved? Well, if they're living unsaved now, what's the difference? I know that's a hard, harsh way of looking at it. But a lot of times we're so worried about offending our family that we don't tell them the straightforward truth because they're going to get angry and reject us. And we love them and we don't want them to reject us. And we use as an excuse this fear of what if I turn them away and then they're unsaved? Well, if they're living unsaved, they're, they're unsaved. What was the difference? So if, you're, if you keep silent, they're going to go to hell. If you speak up, they might have a chance to grab a hold of some truth. We need to start looking at that way, folks. Amen. we got to stop worrying about, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say this because I, I don't know where this recording is going to go after this. But uh, I, was at, I was at my brother's house Saturday and uh, we had a demonic attack right when we got to his house. I won't go into all that, but right when we got, right the moment we got to the house, his house, we had a demonic attack to the point where we looked like we were going to have to go home. Things worked out. We prayed, we bound the devil, we got in there, and I understand what was going on. While I was speaking to my brother, a friend of his died. While we're talking, he gets the message, this man died. He was really a father of one of his friends, one of my friends as well. But um, that brought him down, but it also allowed me, by the Holy Ghost, that was already ramping this whole thing up, to get right in where he needs to be. And we got into this, we got right into the heart of the matter. At one point he says, I can't do this anymore. He went back, he went in the house, grabbed a beer. And he started pounding them to forget, just to get rid of this. You know, and I didn't go very far, for, or much further than that. But what I do know is he's not going to be able to forget the things that we ministered up to that point. There was one point where he said, I can't do this anymore. And he ran into the house and ran for his go-to feel-good. His, his go-to escape. But that's why the Lord had me there. I can't worry about whether my brother's going to reject me. I can't worry about whether he's never wanted to have me come over his house again. We've got to speak the truth to people. Hey, he knows I love him. And I'm speaking what I'm speaking in love. And it's not, it's not fun to see someone literally run away from your presence. My brother is a foot taller than me. Uh, not quite, but almost. I mean, he, he's not afraid of his little bro. And yet, whatever was in me that day ministering to him caused him to literally boot out of, out of his back deck area into the house, reaching for something to, to mitigate whatever he was feeling. Well, that's what happens. You know, pray for Amos. Pray for Amos. The Lord's working on them. The Lord's working on your families too. But talk to them. 
Something good got put in you. Bring it out. Amen? Bring it out. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Time is getting on anyway. Praise God. I won't promise to get us out of here by 8.30, but I'm going to try. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. If you didn't figure it out already, we're talking about Jesus. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You are not allowed to touch a leper. Now, I want you to... I'm not going to try to drag this out too long because of, of the time. But I want you to think about this for a second. I'm going to get into this other stuff later, but I, I want to talk about this incident as well. You're not supposed to talk, touch a leper. A leper is supposed to be outside the camp. Mm -hmm. We talked about leprosy, what is it, a couple weeks ago now? Uh, the leper is supposed to, he, but he touched this man. He laid his hands on him. Now, everything we've seen in the Gospels, everything we've seen in the Gospels, Jesus absolutely adhered to every letter of the law. And anybody agree with me on that one? Amen. If you don't agree, I will have a Bible. I will have a six-hour Bible study with you, and I will show you, according to the word, that Jesus fulfilled every letter of the law. He did not break a single one. Don't ever let anyone tell you Jesus turned his nose up at the law. Jesus was not up in the Galilee during a Passover session. No, because it was commanded of all Jewish males of 20 years old and upwards to be in Jerusalem for Passover. That means it was a different feast that Jesus was in the Galilee. Right. It, was a, it was an added, later added, it was the Jews' feast of Passover was near. If that was true, Jesus, that's John chapter 6, by the way, Jesus would not have been in the Galilee. He would have been in Jerusalem. Everybody hear me? Yes. Don't ever let anybody ever tell you Jesus snubbed the law. He never did. Amen. He never endorsed it. Even though he said, don't the priest defile the Sabbath? Jesus said that. Well, what do you mean the priest defile the Sabbath? They work on the Sabbath. They do sacrifices on the Sabbath. Right. That's work. Mm -hmm. They're told, we're told not to work. The Sabbath is a day. But the priests work on Sabbath. Some of them do anyway. That's what Jesus is talking about. But that was also a law of God. That was the ordinance of God. That's how he set it up. So we have to understand it wasn't just about not doing any physical effort. It was about giving the day to God. Amen. And the priest's whole activity uh, on the Temple Mount or in the tabernacle was towards God. So their work was okay. All right? Everybody cool? Yes. I'd love to give you a long Bible study on that. I don't have time. But any of you here, I'm, I'm serious. Any of you here bold enough to come to me and say, Pastor, I don't really agree with that. I will sit down and have a, you block off some time because I'll give you a long Bible study. I can, you know I can do it. It's not a brag. It's just something I learned. He did not flout the law. When he touched that man, he became unclean. You know what he had to do? He had to go clean, change his clothes. He had to go wash in running water. And at evening time, he would have been pronounced clean. Now, we know Jesus never developed leprosy, so he never would have had to go and show himself to the priest. Mm -hmm. But he touched someone who was leper, so he would have had to go and cleanse himself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say he did. 
But that does not mean he didn't. Everything we know about Jesus is he held to the letter of the law. Yes. Right. Not for salvation. Jesus is salvation. Amen. But salvation in human form held to the letter of the law. Now, uh, write that down in your, in your mental Rolodex, right? The embodiment of salvation in human form lived to the letter of the law. And when you start doing that, the Lord might start showing you the relationship and a revelation of the relationship between grace and law, right? Mm -hmm. Grace and the law. Enough of that. He touched him. But what, what did he do besides touching him? He said, I am willing. Be clean, right? Something came out of his mouth and immediately leprosy was cleansed. Now, I, this is the second part of this. This is all about stuff coming out of our mouth. So I, I want you to pay attention to what Jesus said. Now, this is odd. This is odd. Jesus just brought right out of his mouth the good treasure of his heart, healing for this man, right? This is what we want to see happen. Verse 4, Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man. What? See thou tell no man. Now, we could come up with all kinds of reasons. I've heard probably about 20 different uh, scholars and preachers explain this 20 different ways. But I think it comes down to a couple of things. If your life's not changed, don't talk about me. Mm, that's good. <laughs> uh, uh, Ken Hovind, the dinosaur creation guy. Anybody remember Ken Hovind? Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, he used to say on his videos, if you're a Christian, but you're not living for God, for Christ's sake, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and I was like, that's true. That, I mean, I, oh, I shouldn't say that's true. I agree with that sentiment, is what I should say. Hey, if, if, if you're not living for God... Don't tell anybody about Jesus, okay? Because obviously he has been ineffectual in your life. So I think part of it, in some cases, because we know Jesus told several people in the Gospels, hey, don't tell anybody, right? It could have been because it wasn't time. That's what some people say. It could have been because uh, he, he didn't want to make a big fuss or it wasn't time for him to announce that he was Messiah. Or it, it could have been blah, 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 all these different things. I think on one hand, it was because these people's lives weren't really changed. So he said, don't tell them I did it. And it also might be that it would draw too much authoritative attention towards them. The time wasn't right. That could be true too. But I, I, want, I, I think in this case, it might be different. He says, see that thou tell no man, but. Everybody know what but means? That's, that's a conjunction. It ties two thoughts together. Right? It, and it's usually a positive-negative statement, right? Or, or at least a contrasting statement. Everybody with me? Mm -hmm. I'm throwing out some stuff here tonight. Uh, we've, we've already done a math lesson. Now we're doing an English lesson. Okay? We've got two phrases here. See thou tell no man, contrastly, go thy way, show thyself to the priest. So, well, I think in this case, it might have been more of a situation of, hey, don't just go blab around everybody. Look at me, look at me. I'm healing the leprosy. No, 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 no. Keep doing what the Word of God tells you to do. Amen. And in this case, I don't care how much these priests are admired in a Sadducee doctrine. They're still the priests. You get up there and you show them how you've been cleansed. So that they, by the authority of God, would say, you're cleansed and you can come back into the fellowship of Israel. 
So I, th I think it was really just a priority order. Don't tell anybody. Contrastly, go thy way, shall they so to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. In other words, you're not doing it for me. Killing another animal isn't going to make me happy. But it is to fulfill all righteousness. Hey, I need to be baptized to you, Jesus. He's like, John, stop being a knucklehead. Baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. Right? Everybody with me? I'm almost done. I've only got two more hours. Verse number five. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. We all know the story. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Jesus said out of his mouth, I mean, uh, anybody, anybody here like to hear Jesus say that to you? Mm -hmm. yes. I will come to your house and heal you. Mm -hmm. Yes! Would anybody here argue the point? No. No. What if you just had like a, a trick knee, right? Well, what if you just had like a little headache? I mean, not, not a huge deal, just a little headache. Or maybe you just have it like a, uh, you know, just a little sniffle or something. And Jesus said, I will come and heal you. Is anybody going to tell him no? Nope. And I don't know what's going on with my 49-year-old body. But every time I wake up in the morning, this heel over here hurts me so bad I have to hobble downstairs. And by the time I walk around a few laps, it gets a little better. I, it's like, I've been doing nothing but sleeping all night. Why is my heel hurt? I don't know. I'm not going to bother to go to the doctor for that one. That's it's something I can live with, okay? Uh, and obviously, I'm walking just fine right now. But for the first 15 minutes, you, you'd see me out down here in the mornings walking like this. You know, I don't know why it happens. How can your ankle hurt from a night of sleep? I don't get that. But anyway, uh, something's going on. But if Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house and heal your ankle, I'd say, come on. Come on, Lord. Yes, sir. Here you go. I'll even hold it up for you. You know? Yeah, well, this centurion had a different idea. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. You know, you can, you can say this guy was, you know, having a shame issue. I don't think the centurion's problem was shame. I think the centurion had an understanding about the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. That Jews did not allow uh, Gentiles to come into their home. And uh, Jews did not go into the home of a Gentile, right? I think the centurion, who's going to Jesus, a healer, knew enough. And hey, uh, we talked a little bit about centurions last Sunday. You know, centurions were not just promoted there hap haphazardly. These guys were handpicked, okay? These guys were strong, tough dudes. And they know what they're about. They had to organize a hundred men. A hundred soldiers under them. That's what centurion means. Everybody with me? I don't think this guy was a dummy, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. In other words, I don't want you, a Jew, to get all dirty coming under a Gentile's roof. Even though that whole concept was from religious Judaism and it meant nothing. Okay, because you don't see that in the law, right? Jesus absolutely would have come to his house. Why? There's no law that says you can't come to a Gentile's house. Read it. Right. Read the book of Deuteronomy. See if, or, or Leviticus or Numbers or Exodus or any of those law books. Read any of them. You'll never find it. But the Jews are, oh, 
You'll be defiled if you go to a Gentile's house. But he says, I'm not worthy that you should bother yourself to come to my house, but speak a word only. What on, how on earth did this guy know that? I don't know. I think he was uh, some guy that was paying attention to some things and understood some things. But we, we know the outcome here. He said, and my servant shall be healed. Now that's faith right there. We, are, we already know. And Jesus is going to proclaim great faith over him. As we see the faith of the people of, the, of Thessalonica, right? Mm -hmm. The faith that came out of their mouth. Out of a, the abundance of the heart, out of a good treasure of the heart, good stuff's coming out, and it's building faith as it's happening. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? Yes. They're hearing the Word of God. They're receiving the Word of God. They're believing the Word of God. The Word of God's coming out of your mouth. And guess what, folks? When the Word of God comes out of your mouth, it builds your faith even in that regard. A lot of times we think, oh, well, let's just read the Bible to build your faith. Well, yes, reading the Bible builds your faith. Coming and hearing someone teach or preach will build your faith. Yes, uh, listening to a radio preacher will build your faith. Hit, listening to good, wholesome Christian music will sometimes, not in every case, but sometimes build your faith. Okay? Yeah, faith comes by hearing. Hearing good stuff. Hearing the Word of God. If, if those songs are speaking the Word of God in those songs, yes, it will build your faith. But how about when it comes out of your mouth too? Yeah, it's going to build your faith. It's still coming into your ears, right? It doesn't matter if it came out of you. It's coming back to you. I can hear everything I'm saying right now. <laughs> A lot of times we don't think about that, but yeah, I can hear what I'm saying just as probably even better than you can hear it. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, we're not going to get into that science lesson. Verse number nine. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not Israel. Now, notice who he's talking to. He says, And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed. He's looking at his own boys, going, See this, guy, this Gentile Roman soldier that you guys all hate? There's more faith standing in this guy right here than any of you. <laughs> Ouch. Ooh, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. They were following Jesus because they believed Jesus. This guy, I don't know if he had ever met Jesus before, but Jesus said, I have not found so uh, great faith, no, not Israel. I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Okay, we're done. Stand with me. Simple lesson I could have just repeated 50 times over. Say good things, don't say bad things. Speak the word of God, don't speak the lies of Satan. Don't speak everything you hear. Don't speak everything the TV tells you. Don't speak everything Biden tells you. Don't speak everything the governor of Rhode Island tells you. Okay? Don't, don't speak everything the newscaster or even the weatherman tells you. Don't speak it. Why? Because it's uncertain. Speak the word of God. Build your faith. We have another way to build our faith according to the book of Jude. My 
Dearly brother, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues, read the Word of God, hear the Word of God. All this stuff together builds faith. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have a ready preacher around to preach you the Word of God, get a hold of your Bible and begin to speak it out loud. Amen. We need to do a whole lot more proclamating by faith. Amen. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? I will bless the Lord at all times. His prayer will continually be in my mouth. Come on, folks. These are some of my favorites. That's why I always talk about those. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Praise God. There's a million of them. There's a million things that we can say out of this word. You know, proclaim it. Proclaim it. I have the vocal cords of John the Baptist. Now, maybe, maybe none of you have been prophesied over with that one. So maybe you can't say that one. But if the Lord has given you a word of prophecy, speak it. We have two in, in Pentecost and apostolic ranks. I don't know what other denominations do, but I know in our ranks we have gotten into a really bad habit that the man of God, the gifted man of God, say like a brother Jeffers will come to town and he'll speak a word to us and we'll get the chill bumps and we'll go away. Oh, I got ministered to and never repeat what God spoke to us. Never once. We just sit around and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Do it. Never say it, never act it out, never walk in it. And then wonder later, well, I guess he must be a false prophet. Well, maybe you're just not bringing good things out of a good treasure. Maybe it's as simple as that. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And we love your word. And we know that you have made us righteous, holy, good, clean. And you are perfecting us every day. As we let you do that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. We know, Lord God, every time we read the Word of God, every time we hear from your Spirit, every time we get a revelation from heaven, and every time we speak the Word of God, good things are being put into our heart. And good things are going out of our heart at the same time. So, Lord God, let our hearts be like a river. Lord God, you have made our human hearts to be circulatory. Lord God, it gives and it receives. It gives and receives constantly. Lord God, in a circuit. Lord God, let our human hearts be the same. To give us life. To give out and to receive it. To give out and receive it. To give good things out and receive good things in from the Holy Ghost. Lord God... We're asking you to help us to understand from the natural man into the spiritual man how our heart is supposed to function. That we are not supposed to listen to the human heart. We are supposed to listen to the heart of God that is being transformed in us. Lord God, we call upon the name of Jesus tonight. We call upon the name of salvation. We call upon and proclaim good treasure, oh God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We proclaim that you have given us good things into a good treasury. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, help us to flow with it, bringing it in, bringing it out by what we speak, according to the Word and the Spirit. Lord God, lock this into our spirits tonight. Lock this into our minds and our hearts tonight. May we go forth and prophesy over ourselves, pray over ourselves, proclaim what we've been prophesied. Lord Jesus, help us not to feel weird about these things because we've never done them before, but Lord God, to boldly walk 
into these things and see our lives transformed day by day in the name of Jesus. Can we praise the Lord? Can we just receive the word of the Lord tonight? Lord God, I receive your word. I receive it into me.